0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective Church is a church for the rest of us. And whether you call Collective your church home, or you're just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take your next step on your journey towards the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church, or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Sandlot. I think I've seen the movie 100 times and I'll still watch it a few times a year when I'm feeling a little nostalgic. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they're hanging out in the parking lot at the dime store buying a new baseball because one went over the fence and got devoured by the beast. Do y'all remember that scene? Like Ham Porter is pretending to be Babe Ruth. He puts a candy cigar in his mouth and says, "'I'm the great Bambino.'" And right as he says that the main character, Smalls, walks out and says, who's that? And the boys lose their minds. What did he say? Wait, were you born in a barn? Yeah, yeah, what planet are you from? And then what they do is they list every single nickname they can think of for Babe Ruth. You've never heard of the Sultan of Swat, the Titan of Terror, the Colossus of Clout, the King of Crash. Then Smalls, who's completely lying, says, oh, the great Bambino, of course, I thought you said the great Bambi. It's easily one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Now, nicknames have been around since the beginning of time. Sometimes they're given as a form of endearment. You might call your wife sweetheart or babe boo-boo or something else that would make people gag in public if they heard you say it. Sometimes nicknames are given to simplify our names. Growing up, I was always called M.B. or Bartlett. In fact, I went to college and people stopped calling me Bartlett and started calling me Michael. And I didn't really like it because that was my name throughout high school. Or if your last name starts with a W, your nickname is probably your first initial followed by Dub. And sometimes nicknames are given because of your character or to describe an action that people connect to you. If that was Babe Ruth, the Titan of Terror the King of Crash, the Colossus of Cloud. These were nicknames given to him because he could hit 500-foot home runs during a time when no one else was doing that. In rarer cases, nicknames are used to express defamation of character. This is most often seen when it comes to criminals, and all my true crime fans know what I'm talking about. Nicknames are a way of life. So to have a little fun today... I want to quiz you on some of the best nicknames that I could find. Here's a presidential nickname that I loved. His Little Majesty. This was given to the U.S. president who was only five feet, four inches tall. He was also nicknamed the Father of the Constitution. That'd be James Madison. Now, I'm assuming he'd rather be called the Father of the Constitution instead of His Little Majesty, but I'm not quite sure he got a choice. All right, how about an easier one? the top-selling pop artist of all time, the third best-selling musical artist ever, the king of pop, Michael Jackson. And I would totally moonwalk right now, but the camera's too far zoomed in. You wouldn't see my feet, which would totally defeat the purpose. Here's another easy one. Number eight for the Baltimore Orioles. Set the record for most consecutive games played in Major League Baseball history with 2,632, the Iron Man, Rookin Jr., Now, if you were born in Maryland and didn't know that one, you probably should move to another state. And here's a historical one for you. A great conqueror, in 13 short years, he amassed the largest empire in the entire ancient world, also known as the Great. Alexander of Macedon controlled an empire that covered over 3,000 miles. Right, and I could keep going. Honest Abe Lincoln Wayne the Great One Gretzky, Christopher the Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, or simply Biggie Wallace, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, Barnabas. Okay, that last one might not be as popular, but it's a nickname of the person that we're talking about today as we continue our series, Ordinary People. This series is all about people in the Bible that are just like you and me. And, And they have these moments of great faith that lead to a huge impact on Christianity the church, and even the world. These are men and women who aren't called heroes. They aren't famous. They tend to only get mentioned on Sunday as supporting characters in sermons. But for this series, we're putting them in the spotlight, and we're learning from them. Last week, I told the story of Ananias and how he refused to let fear win out, and he trusted Jesus. And because of that, he got to help Paul, who was a notorious Christian killer, turn his life around, uh, turn toward Jesus. And he even got to baptize him. Then Paul went on to plant uh, plant churches all over the known world. And he did that by taking multiple missionary journeys to cities throughout the region and starting new churches. But he didn't go alone. He is joined by Barnabas. In Acts 13 through 15 in the New Testament, Paul and Barnabas go from city to city teaching people about Jesus. They visit Cyprus and Pamphylia, Pisidian Antioch and Antioch. These are cities all over the Mediterranean. They start churches. They teach pastors how to care for their city. They lead the way in seeking and saving lost people and starting churches for people that are far from God, for people who during that time were originally not allowed to follow Jesus. And I said last week that Paul is the reason why you and I get to experience church the way we experience it today, but it wasn't just Paul. It was also Barnabas, but for some reason, Barnabas is talked about like he's the little brother who just so happens to tag along, like Paul is Batman and Barnabas is Robin, but Barnabas was vital in the early church growing outside of Jerusalem. Barnabas changed the world, but that isn't actually what I want to talk about today, I want to talk about his nickname. You see, before Barnabas goes on these missionary journeys with Paul, we learn about him in Acts 4 a little bit earlier. And this is what it says. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Joseph, the encourager. Encouraging others was so much of his identity that it became his name. In fact, outside of this mention right here, He's called Barnabas through the rest of the Bible. That's who he is. He's Barnabas. So here's the first thing I want you to write down today. And this is groundbreaking. Are you ready? How you treat people matters. How you treat people matters. It's crazy, right? But let's read that verse again. There was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. The one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. This wasn't a nickname given to him by his mother. It wasn't the shortening of his real name. He earned it by how he treated other people. It's based on his character. Barnabas was an encourager. That's who he was. That's what he did. And it teaches us that how we treat people matters. But I actually want to take that idea a little bit further. How you treat people when things are difficult matters. I recently heard from a pastor that tough times reveal your character. We are in the middle of a tough time, right? This feels like a storm. And when things aren't going as planned, when we're stressed out, your character is revealed. So in Acts 4, Barnabas is called the encourager. And in Acts 9, he actually has one of those difficult moments. Here's the context for what we're about to read. And it's actually a continuation on what we read last week. Just days earlier, Paul was on his way to imprison and kill Christians before Jesus literally stopped him in his tracks. He's baptized by Ananias. And this is what it says. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Translation, wait, what? Right. So Paul begins to teach other people about how Jesus has turned his life upside down. He preaches about grace, about endless second chances, but people are skeptical. I mean, why wouldn't they be? Right. We would be skeptical too. In fact, we are skeptical. We have social media and we read stories about people in our life who have changed and we don't believe them. Right. So this was pre-Facebook. He didn't get a chance to make a TikTok about his glow up, right? He didn't have an Insta story about his life change. People are skeptical, which makes sense. As a quick side note, some of you have people in your life that are skeptical about the way Jesus is changing your life, the way he's changing you. They're skeptical about the addiction that you've seen some success overcoming. They're skeptical about the priorities in your life that have changed. They're skeptical about the hope that you have. Don't let that stop you from sharing what Jesus has done in your life. There will always be skeptics. There will always be naysayers. There will always be haters. Don't let them stop your life change. If those are the people that are in your life, you need new people. You need Barnabas. Because check out what happens next. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. And again, that makes sense, right? They thought it was a trap. They were hesitant. The Christians in Jerusalem were afraid of Paul. But then Barnabas steps in, someone who is trusted in the community, someone who led by example, someone whose character was strong. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Barnabas vouches for Paul, right? He encourages other followers of Jesus to trust him. He encourages Paul to keep preaching about his life change. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine the situation Barnabas was in when he vouched for Paul, right? What if Paul was lying? What if he hadn't changed? What if Paul had changed, but vouching for him led to his community no longer trusting him? Right? He's put in a difficult situation of telling his friends and his family and church about what he saw Paul doing, what he heard, what he knew was true. And his character stays the same. He's the encourager. Tough times reveal your character, and Barnabas was Barnabas. Barnabas. I think we could all agree that this is a difficult time. People are struggling mentally and emotionally as we've been largely removed from our community and our friendships. People are struggling financially as jobs aren't back to normal yet. Our kids are struggling, and being a parent is even harder right now. This season flat out sucks, but tough times reveal your character. Last weekend, I was out running an errand, And as I pulled up to a red light, there was a woman on the other side of the median hysterically crying and moving from car to car, tapping on their windows. And at first, I couldn't really figure out what was going on because we were a few lanes away. But then I saw that her car was broken down on the side of the road, and she was looking for help. And no one rolled down their window to help her. It was so sad. She was afraid. She was helpless. She was just looking for one person to step out of the car and help. I think she easily walked by 10 cars before one person rolled down their window and pulled over to help her. And here's the deal. I know things are scary right now. I know it's a bit nerve-wracking. But how you treat people matters. And tough times reveal your character. And this is a tough time. What is your character? So I want you to think about this. If your community had to give you a nickname, what would it be? Let me make that more specific. If you were given a nickname based on your character, what would it be? Not a nickname based on your name, based on what you look like, based on where you're from, but based on how you treat other people in easy times and tough times, what would your nickname be? For Barnabas, it was encourager right? That's who he was. That's how he approached strangers and friends. That's how he approached his faith. He was an encourager. He didn't give that nickname to himself. It was earned. If you were given a nickname based on your character, what would it be? Would it be something that you're proud of? Would it be a nickname that you'd want other people to know? Would you be shocked by it? Galatians 6 says, a man reaps what he sows, And this is true in every aspect of our lives, especially when it comes to our character. The character that we plant is the character that grows. If you sow honor, you will reap healthy friendships. If you sow transparency, you will reap trust. If you sow courage, you will reap growth. It really is that simple. But the opposite is true as well. If you sow deceit, you will reap broken relationships. If you sow anger, you will reap bitterness If you sow selfishness, you will reap loneliness. The character we plant is the character that grows. When writing the sermon, I was talking to my wife about this idea that I was going with, and she asked me what I'd want my nickname to be. And so I said, the impaler. I'm just kidding. I told her that the one word that I want to describe me would be leader. I want to be a good leader And what I really mean by that isn't that I just want to lead people because it's not really about being in charge. That isn't it at all. The truth is I want to go first. Now let me explain. In January, before 2020 decided that it was going to be the worst, I was at a small conference in Florida for pastors in their 30s who were leading rapidly growing churches. And it was a huge honor to be there because they only bring in 15 guys and I was very clearly the least qualified person there. And one of the speakers talked about leadership and this is what he said. Leaders go first. Leaders go first in leading the way. They don't ask other people what they're unwilling to do. Leaders go first in following Jesus. They read their Bible. They take next steps. They own their growth. Leaders go first in giving. They give 10% and then they grow in their generosity. Leaders go first in emotional health. They have a crew of people that pour into them so that they know their heart is in the right place. Leaders go first in learning, they read, they learn from other pastors, they work on their mind. Leaders go first in mental health, they have a counselor, they rest, they take time to recharge. Leaders go first in vulnerability, they're real, they're honest, they talk about the hard things going on in their own lives, not just hard things. Leaders go first in rhythms, they have regularly scheduled time with their wife, their kids, their friends. And so I want to go first. And listen, I know I'm not perfect at it. Like, I'm not the best leader. I'm not the greatest leader in the world, let alone Frederick. But I am com- committed to being the leader you need, the leader that God calls me to be, and the leader that goes first in the good times and the bad. So what do you want your nickname to be? Because here's the good news. You get to Choose. You get to choose your character. You get to choose who you are. You are ridiculously in charge of how you treat people, how you portray yourself, and what your faith looks like. If you feel like your nickname isn't something to be proud of, you can change it by how you live. It is your choice. If you want to be a great leader, go first. If you want to be an encourager, take time this week and send a short 30-second video to people in your life that need encouragement. If you want to be thoughtful, send dinner to the families in your life that you know are struggling. If you want to be faithful, trust God and take the next step that he's calling you to take. If you want to be fun, throw a party for your neighbors. Six feet apart, follow all the rules. If you want to be the closest of Clout, hit 500-foot home runs. Right? The good news is that it is on you to make that happen. So this week, take one step closer to being the person that you want to be. And listen, I know this comes across as a fun topic because nicknames are fun, right? They're endearing, they're encouraging. But I also know that this isn't as simple as it seems because some of you are still carrying the names and words from people in the past that have hurt you, right? You're still holding on to your brokenness. You're still clinging to a version of yourself that you're not proud of. But that doesn't have to be the case, This is one of the beautiful things about following Jesus. When you make decisions to trust him, when you put your faith in him, when you are baptized, you are made new. 2 Corinthians 5 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And guess who wrote this? Paul. Paul knows firsthand what it's like to give his old life to, to the past and, and bury that into the ground and be given a new life, right? And that can only happen because of Jesus. Yes, Ananias and Barnabas played huge roles in the impact that he made, but it was the newness of Jesus that brought him to that point. And part of the beautiful thing about choosing that life, choosing to follow Jesus, is that you get to find out what God says about you, who God says you are, God says that I'm his masterpiece in his workmanship in Ephesians 2. He says I'm established, 2 Corinthians 1. He says that I'm sealed with his promise, John 6. He says I'm redeemed, Colossians 1. He says that I'm more than a conqueror, Romans 6. He says that I'm strong and courageous, Deuteronomy 31. He says that I'm healed and whole, 1 Peter 2. He says I'm forgiven and free, 1 John 1. He says that I'm loved, John 15. He says that I am made new, 2 Corinthians 5. He says, I am worth it all, John 3. So if you don't know where to begin when it comes to a nickname, start with what God says about you. Choose that as your character. Choose that as who you want to be in the easy times and the difficult times, and choose to live that out this week. Take one step closer to being the person that God calls you to be. Let's pray. God, thank you um, ultimately that we don't have to choose um, these labels, these nicknames for ourselves. God, that you call us um, to, to live a certain life. God, that you tell us that we're worthy, that you tell us that we're loved, that you tell us that we're more than conquerors. God, you tell us that we're brave and courageous. God, you tell us that we're kind and that we're good. So, God, I pray this week as we we wrestle with our character, um, not just in the easy times, but in in the hard times right now. God, I I pray that we lean toward and move toward what you call us to be and who you call us to be. God, thank you um, for stories in the Bible about people like Barnabas that are just like us and that we get to see this whole story of his life and how from the beginning to the end he was always the encourager. In the good times, and the bad, and the conflict, um, God, in the times when he saw you moving, in the times when he wasn't quite sure where you were, God, he was always the encourager. God, I, I pray that our character, God, our, our word, our nickname, that label um, that we want to have for our lives, God, I pray this week we can move closer to being that person. God, ultimately, I pray this week that we can move a little bit closer to you. God, so that we know that even in the tough times, even when we're struggling, even when we're not quite sure who we are, um, God, we know that we're loved. God, we know that we're redeemed. God, we know that we can be forgiven. God, thank you that you love us. God, thank you that we can be made new. God, I just pray this week that we can kind of live in that moment and be that person, move a little bit closer to being the person that we want to be. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.